Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Mike Rains, a.k.a. Poker and Politics, and welcome to this episode of Who Killed JFK? It was Lee Harvey Oswald, you fucking morons. Yes, we're going saucy this week, because this week we actually have, like, meat on the bone. Because, uh, boy, let me tell you, folks, uh, spoiler alert for episodes four and five, not a lot of meat on those bones. This episode, this is where it's at. You, if, you, if you came here for hard-hitting JFK commentary, you're getting it here. No, nowhere else in this. The next few, three episodes, skippable. Not from us, not from me. My episode's incredible. Rob Riders suck. They're terrible. Haley's here. Hi, Haley. Hello. Hello. Yes, this episode is very weird. I had to listen to it twice because I was like, are they saying what I think they're saying? They were, but we'll get yeah. into that. <laughs> yeah, the thing the thing is, is that this is actual conspiracy theory stuff. We're digging into the... This, it's really funny that we're getting into the meat of this stuff. And in the narrative, we're like building. This is this is the episode where we start digging into the Zapruder film. We start digging into the autopsy of JFK. We're actually getting into the meat and potatoes. We're actually getting into the real brass tacks of what happened. And then they made an editorial decision to pivot to Oswald's backstory for two episodes. Episodes four and five are just like Lee Harvey Oswald, the guy before he killed the president. And it's just a lot of stuff about Oswald and. To me, it's like, yeah, he had a really weird backstory. Guess what? He still killed the president. I don't know what you're trying to like indicate with all this work you're doing on Oswald. And they're, they left some stuff out, um, by the way, BT dubs, because uh, they're working their narrative. But it's really bizarre that you basically get to the crux of conspiracy theories about the Kennedy assassination, the cover-up, the quote-unquote botched autopsy, 
the Zapruder film, back into the left, the magic bullet. You're just going hammer and tops. You're just giving us everything. Those so-called then- photos of his so-called head blown out. Hmm. Yup. Yup. Hmm. 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 Oh yeah. All of that. And then you're like, and now we're just going to spend an hour talking about Lee Harvey Oswald uh, getting laid in Japan. And now here's Lee Harvey Oswald hanging out in New Orleans, doing some stuff. And it's just like, who made this decision? Like you get to the good stuff, then stay there. Don't backpedal. And so uh, we, me and Haley have, we've chuckled about this. We may have talked about this on the pod, but we've chuckled about this off topic, off, off air, that these episodes are like 33 little minute little slices of life, just then just crammed with gram full of commercials and ads because Rob Reiner and Solanet O'Brien really need to make ends meet. They're having a tough time paying the rent, so they got to get the... They gotta get the me undies and the stamps.com ads in there in order to in order to make the bread. My ads have not been in English. Apparently we don't <laughs> get the same ads. <laughs> <laughs> like Rob Reiner says something ominous about Lee Harvey Oswald, and then immediately the next words, Konnichiwa! And you're just like, yeah. okay, I guess we're in the ad period. <laughs> so, but so I've I've been like looking at this, and it's been 33 minutes a clip. And then when you actually hit play, it pumps it up to 42 minutes because there's nine minutes of ads to go on top of the 33 minutes of quote-unquote content. Two of those minutes are a solid ad doing the credits at the end. So it's really <laughs> it's really only 31 minutes of meat. And, and then – so you have 31 minutes of meat, nine minutes of ads, two minutes of credits. That's your 42-minute runtime for these videos. Episode six, which is about Richard Case Nagel, who I think we already literally covered in like three minutes on this pod, where it's like guy who told a lot of shit. By the way, the military said that like he suffered a massive brain injury before he left. So he's probably nuts. Episode six is about him. And then I clicked and then I and I just like skimmed over it. The pre ads runtime on episode six is 25 minutes. What? <laughs> They shaved eight minutes of runtime off. They were just like, you know what? We're doing an episode. Don't even have a half hour. Just absolute mailing it in. The most half-assed shit you could imagine. Like They couldn't even get the 33 minutes. Couldn't even do it. Just 25 minutes. So that's literally going to be 23 minutes of actual content, two minutes of credits, and then whatever ads they pile in on top of it. So holy smokes, this is... This is the most shameless runtime padding, extra episode adding nonsense. I saw, I, I had believed, uh, I think Haley's even mentioned this before, that like, in quote unquote, in episode 10, he was supposed to name the four assassins. I saw a tweet from one of the producers that were like, six episodes down, six to go. And I was like, this is going to be 12? We're doing 12 of these now? I thought we were doing 10. Oh my God. But yeah, uh, so this is shameless this is absolutely shameless low effort like like the effort in these things dies in this episode it dies in episode three because this this is it this is where we're supposed to be this is daily plaza this is breaking down this bruder film this is the doctors of parkland hospital shitting themselves trying to save the president when uh they they know they can't so-called doctors the so-called doctors doing the autopsy at bethesda oh my god i 
a long time ago saw a, like a bound edition of the Warren Commission report, and I picked it up, and the back the, the back cover's got all the stuff on it, and it listed one of the questions, and uh, it was like, why did Oswald do it? It was like all these relevant questions, and then in the middle of all these questions were was why uh, why did the Parkland doctors fail to save the president's life? And I was like, because he was fucking dead when he got His there. His brain <laughs> was gone. His brain was destroyed. <laughs> uh, because they weren't miracle workers, because they didn't have a QAnon-endorsed med bed to regenerate the president's brain and skull. That's why they failed to save his life, because he was... Because if it wasn't the president, they wouldn't have even tried. They would have looked at him and gone, this guy's dead. Uh, his head's whatever. gone. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want from me? His head. Yeah, also, you, is, there's a there's a hole in his throat, and he's, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, this, this guy's screwed. I mean, he's dead. This guy's dead. <laughs> he's pretty dead. Like, like so, and because this is the thing is like, so I, I'm going to get into the weeds here because Rob kind of gets into the weeds also a little, but basically, Kennedy, the motorcade arrives at Parkland Hospital. They get. Um, Rob's going to get into this a bit also, but I'm going to explain what actually happened. So the limo arrives. The doors are set up in the limo such that they cannot get Kennedy out until they get Connolly out. And Connolly has also been shot. So imagine if Kennedy actually could have been saved and like precious like seconds or a minute were being lost because they had to fish Connolly out first because these doors were set up wrong. So they get Connolly out. They wheel him in. Then they grab Kennedy's body, they wheel him in. And the first doctor that looks at Kennedy is like, okay, we got no pulse. Then he puts the stethoscope to his chest. He's like, we got a heartbeat. And it's just like, okay, so we have to give it the old college try here. <laughs> I have registered some sign that the man is alive, even though- It's like when the chicken's head is cut off and it kind of can still run around a little bit because it's just like kind of firing off some nerves that's making it technically run around, but it's dead. Its head's right. gone. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That is, and, and that's the thing is I, I believe that like some of some people, medical experts have said, yeah, if this was anyone else, we just would have put a sheet over him because we know the heartbeat is meaningless. We know he's dead, but because we have a heartbeat, well, we got to give it the old college try. And this is where a lot of shit goes bad because Malcolm Perry, who is talked about a lot in this episode and becomes like the crux of the conspiracy because poor Dr. Perry spoke the truth and the deep state had to bring him down. But uh, Perry decides to perform a tracheotomy on the president to help him breathe because he's got that wound in his throat. And Perry sticks the, does a little incision, puts the trach tube in there and one of the other doctors that was there was just sort of like, I don't know why Perry made that incision a lot of times when we have a wound like that you just jam the trach tube through the bullet hole and just just do it that way because you don't need extra space for it and so this tracheotomy leads to a lot of problems now why it leads to a lot of problems is because uh, Kennedy's pronounced dead shortly thereafter. The doctors work on him for like roughly 15 minutes. Uh, I dread to say this because I'm a QAnon-based conspiracy researcher, but I do believe it may have been 17 minutes. But uh, uh, they declare him dead. And the what they saw 
in that time was Kennedy has a wound in his throat and Kennedy has a massive wound in his head. And that's what they saw in the 20 or so minutes that they were there with his body. And then once um, they, they finished treating him, they just backed away from his body. Then they, uh, a coffin was brought in and his body was placed in the coffin and away we went. Now, so Perry and another doctor go before the press and the press is like, yo, what happened? What did you see? What was going on? And Perry was like, well, the president was shot in the throat. He also sustained a wound in his head, blah, blah, blah. And the press was just like, so describe the throat, the throat wound. And he was like, well, it was a wound of entrance. It hit, he was shot in the throat and blah, blah, blah. And so Kennedy's body is now what's really funny is Reiner ignores all of the stuff I'm about to tell you. And you would think that if you were a conspiracy, the CIA murdered Kennedy and covered it up, you think you'd be on the you'd be on this like a dog on a bone. You think that this this is the hard hitting conspiracy cover up stuff that you would think that a guy like this would be all over. So. So they put Kennedy's body in a coffin and. At this point, the Secret Service and Lyndon Johnson are shitting bricks. They're freaking out. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And the Secret Service is like, we need to get you on Air Force One and fly you back to D.C. and get you in the White House and lock it down because we don't know what's going on. And like uh, Johnson himself is talking about how this could be a decapitation strike against America, the way that John Wilkes Booth uh, tried to decapitation strike America. Um, if you're not, do you, do you know what John Wilkes Booth's actual plan was when he killed Lincoln? Hit me. What? Hit me. Okay. He had, he, he had a conspiracy of uh, fellow goons and one of his other goons was supposed to assassinate vice president Johnson. And another goon was supposed to assassinate secretary of state uh, Seward. And Secretary of State Seward was actually attacked by his goon and, and stabbed repeatedly and was brutally assaulted, almost died. He survived it. The guy that was supposed to kill Vice President Johnson just chickened out and didn't do it. Coward. Yeah. So and 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 <laughs> fuck him because Johnson was one of our worst presidents. We've been we would have been better off in a state of annihilation trying to <laughs> cobble back together our government than having President Johnson. He uh, he fucked it pretty bad for all of us. Um, but. That was in the movie LBJ. They basically state that is kind of uh, like they have Woody Harrelson playing Lyndon Johnson give that speech. Who, if that was exactly what he said or, or what he said or not at Parkland, who knows? But the gist of it is, is that everyone's kind of freaking out that the president's just been killed, and we don't know if the we don't know if the Soviets have just rolled into Berlin or not, or if they're invading Western Germany. We don't know what's going on. Shit's fucked is basically the moral of the story at this point. And so the goal is we've got it. We want to get Lyndon out of this hospital ASAP, get him on Air Force One, get him back to D.C. and try to get some sort of protection going. And Lyndon Johnson does not want to abandon Jackie Kennedy, the freshly widowed former first lady who is still coded in her husband's gore. 
uh, because uh, he is not in the business of, I, I believe it was quoted as saying, abandoning widows was not something he really wanted to do. And she wasn't leaving without the body. So they took the body, breaking Texas state law, because Texas state law states that if there's a murder in the state, the autopsies performed there. And Talk this about led- the fight. Yep. The so fight is lit- the best part. <laughs> right. There's li- there's literally a fight between the Secret Service and Dallas police where guns are almost drawn. They're battling over the coffin. Yeah. And there's like a crucifix on the coffin and it breaks off during the fight because they're so angry and tussling over the coffin. It's and so part- soap, you know, it's like yeah. you can feel the camera zoom in on the broken crucifix at that moment. You yes. Know? <laughs> yeah. And it's just this. And eventually the Parkland doctors tell the police to just stand down and fucking let them take the body. What do we care? And that was that. And again, if you're doing a JFK CIA cover-up thing, why do you not bring that up? Why do you not throw that in there? Throw, get, a, get put a, put another burger on the grill there. Just give your give your audience another tasty meal of uh, cover-up conspiracy stuff. So you have that. You have. Um, so you have that going on. They get the body to the Air Force One. And then, now this isn't brought up on the pod, but why the autopsy actually happened at uh, Bethesda is basically Jackie Kennedy suggested it. Because uh, one of her staff was just like, Jackie, the there has to be an autopsy of your husband. And she's like, I don't want one. I don't want them mutilating his body. And they were like, well, he was murdered. An autopsy is required to get evidence for the investigation into his murder. We have to do one. So tough titty lady, we're giving your your husband the slice of dice. So she thinks about it and she says, well, he was a Navy man. So do it at Bethesda Naval Hospital. So when Rob Reiner is like throwing a fit about the unqualified hacks who did the autopsy, basically know that apparently Jackie was in on it and sent them to Bethesda for the unqualified acts to butcher the autopsy. But now this is the important thing about that tracheotomy. So the autopsy doctors, they get a hold of Kennedy's body and they're actually looking at it because the, again, the doctors at Parkland, they weren't poking and prodding. They weren't doing all kinds of stuff. They were trying to triage a massively injured man to stabilize him so he wouldn't die. And they couldn't because that was impossible. So when the doctors at Bethesda actually look at Kennedy's body, now they see a back wound that they don't have an exit for because all they know on the front is a tracheotomy. And they're just like, no, we have a back wound, but we don't have an exit wound from that back wound. This is weird. And it's only after the doctors at Bethesda call the doctors at Parkland and talk to them that they're finally able to put two and two together and connect the back wound to the throat wound and be like, oh, shit, he was shot in the back and the bullet went through and exited his throat. Ain't, oh, ain't that a thing? So that is where all of this this confusion came from. Because the Parkland doctors never investigated the president's back. They just didn't feel the back wound. And the Bethesda doctors didn't know that the tracheotomy had been done over a throat wound. Do we have the back wound, front wound thing being figured out? And 
So this explains why Perry told the press in Dallas, oh, yeah, the throat wound was a front, a wound from the front, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff was that. And now Perry understands, oh, there was a back wound. Now we can put two and two together. And this is what makes all of this so crazy is that, like, there's a lot in this episode about, and then Malcolm Perry was threatened and told to change his story or else he was going to get fucked up. It and is. And and they make a big deal about like the press printing that the wound came from the front from his initial comments and Soledad literally yells, but he said, <laughs> <'Cause> yeah, he, <laughs> he said it was an entrance wound. Yeah. And like, yeah. And it's like, yes, that's because he didn't know there was a wound in the back. This, the, you have a person's body in front of you and the, the only wound you see is the wound in their throat. Of course you think it's an entrance wound. There's how could you not think it was an entrance wound? If it's an exit wound, you need to find a wound in their back. That doesn't make any sense. So. Yeah. Also, I think the, just by us going to the sixth floor museum, we uh, saw how many incorrect reports were put into newspapers during this time. Um, and like Soledad makes a big deal about this, that like, you know, the New York times printed once that <laughs> the wound came from the front. So it's like, this is factual evidence. This is hard evidence, even though the papers were, just, they were printing all kinds of shit at the time. Like, Oh, if if you watch like the JFK assassination as it happened, like newsreels, like there's like seven hours of coverage from like various networks and you just watch them. There's so many things that are just wrong. Like Lyndon Johnson, they think he's been shot in the arm or he's had a heart attack. There's all kinds of just there. there there's like one report that a Secret Service agent was killed during the assassination attempt. Like the amount of misinformation that was just out there when it happened was rampant and they were just trying desperately to just get something out there to like to talk about to promote because this was the biggest story ever and will probably always be the biggest story ever because this is the assassination of a president by a sniper like this is terrifying like every other presidential assassination we had the guy who did it was pretty obvious because they were like three feet away from the president when they shot him. I mean, it was just sort of lunatic runs up the president with gun. Blammo, blammo. That was about it. And this is the first time there was any mystery around it. We had a sniper take out the president from some unseen area. We got to find them. What's going on? What really happened? We've got witnesses that are freaking out. I mean, it's it was this it was crazy. It was an absolutely crazy situation. The other thing that is and that Rob does and all conspiracy theorists do here is they start talking about how the Parkland doctors all saw a massive wound in the back of the president's head and that it's just like the Parkland doctors are unanimous the back of his head was blown out like one doctor talks about cerebellum being exposed uh and I read Case Closed, and the cerebellum doctor was just like, oh, no, I that definitely wasn't true. I, I screwed that up. Um, but the other thing about this is that the timeline of events and the what we know of the assassination and what happened, we basically have three main 
moments of inflection. A, the actual assassination itself, which is most remembered by the Zapruder film. Then we have the doctors at Parkland, and then we have the doctors at Bethesda and the x-rays that they took during the autopsy. The thing that the conspiracy theorists hang their hat on is the doctors at, at Parkland. The thing is, is that the doctors at Parkland are probably the worst people to tr trust on this because they're the people that were with the president for about like 15 to 20 minutes, like just freaking out trying to save his life. And they weren't studying his wounds. They weren't analyzing what was happening. They saw what they saw in the fleeting moments where they were trying to hold his head together and do tracheotomies and blood transfusions and all that good stuff. There was a lot of people in the room. It was very crowded. It was very panicked. And basically once the head guy was like, look guys, we can't save him. His now his heart's his heart finally stopped. Let's call it. We're done here. Like that's it. Whereas with the Zapruder film, we literally have photos. It's literally just a photo. You can freeze frame. The, the, the headshot is at frame 313. So frame 312, we have the president, arms up, like hands at throat, but his head is intact. Frame 313, cloud of blood engulfs his head from what we can see. What we're looking at is the right side of the president's head on the Zapruder film, and there's this cloud of blood that's covering it now. And then at, three, at frame 314 or frame 315, after the blood dissipates, the right side of his head is destroyed. You can just look at the Zapruder film and it's like frame 312, President Kennedy's fabled locks attached to his head perfectly. Yep, he's in a little trouble with that whole throat wound, but the head intact. Two or three frames later, oh my God, the right side of his head is gone. It's just destroyed. And that begins the whole process of the back and to the left. And while that process is happening, you can just look at his destroyed skull as he falls over. And also, you can notice, while you're looking, you can't see any damage to the back of his head. I mean, he's in profile, so it's not easy to look at the back of his head, but there's no there there. And again, the headshot, the, the explosion, it's a cloud of blood covering the right side of his head. It's not the back, like what we would think of when we were watching a movie, where if someone gets shot from the front, the spatter hits the back wall from the back of their head. Like, it's not a like streak of blood coming from the back of his head, like spraying out. Like, the where the cloud of blood is coming from is indicative of the right side of his head. When Abraham Zapruder was interviewed by a local news show before the Zapruder film was developed, they asked him to describe what happened, and he pointed to the right side of his head. He grabbed the right side of his head and made an indication that, like, that is where I saw his, like, head explode from the right side of his head. And then they were like, well, Mr. Zapruder, uh, good luck developing the film that will traumatize America for the next hundred years. Uh, Godspeed, sir. It's going to go on so many shirts. Yes. So yep. many punk albums. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many photos of a smiling Kennedy in the, it, with a scope around him, like with the, with the, yeah, with the crosshairs dead on his forehead. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you have... There's also a, um, a a film of the assassination figure from the opposite side of the street by a man named Orville Nix. It's called the Nix film. And if you watch that one, it's further away. It's not nearly as descriptive as the Zapruder film. But 
and you really almost can't even see the headshot because it's from the left and you really don't see the cloud of blood that well. You see the back of his head still. There's nothing there. There's no damage to it. There is the much more photograph, which supposedly captures Badgeman, one of the alleged assassins from the Grassy Knoll. He's called Badgeman because there's a bunch of shadows that make maybe look like a human being. And one of those shadows has a little bright spot here on the chest. So it's supposed to be a guy dressed up like a Dallas cop wearing a badge, firing the fatal headshot. They've timestamped the much more photo to basically be where Zapruder film frame 313 was right after the headshot. And that photo is taken from behind Kennedy and the back of his head is not damaged. So it's like we have this photographic evidence of a da- of damage to the right side of his head from the Zapruder film, from the much more film, from the Nix film. Then after they autopsy him at Bethesda, we have the x-rays, which have been looked at by pretty much everybody. And they're all like, yeah, the right side of his head is gone. So it's like we have all this photographic evidence of the right side of his head being damaged at the Zapruder film and and at the scene of the assassination. We have all this evidence of the right side of his head being damaged at the autopsy and the the x-rays. The only place where we have conversation about the back of his head being damaged is at Parkland, where it was just doctors doing triage on him for a very small amount of time in an incredibly high-stress environment, and then they threw him in a coffin and called it a day. The actual physical evidence that that anyone can look at is much more in favor of the right side of his head being destroyed than anything else. Again, you can just look up the Zapruder film on YouTube, and you have to click the button that says, this is gruesome as shit. Are you sure you want to see it? And if you click yes, you can watch it, and you can see the right side of his head get destroyed. I understand where the conspiracy theorists are coming from because it does appear that there's like, oh, the Parkland doctors, oh, they had to alter the wounds, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, not really. Most of the Parkland doctors who've seen the x-ray photos are like, yeah, that's about right. It's in the ballpark. I can accept that. Like, I mean, only like uh, Charles Crenshaw, who's written conspiracy books. And like, the, there's, only, there's only a few Parkland doctors that have gone full crank in an effort to make a buck or two. Their testimony just isn't as persuasive as the actual physical evidence that we have, which is why a lot of people were originally were like, oh, this is a Pruder film proves conspiracy. And then when you can point out how it does it, they're like, oh, this is a Pruder film was edited. It was rigged like everything else. And it's just like, that's eh, not, that's not how this works. It's not actually true. Well, that's not what Rob Reiner thinks. So <laughs> I think you're wrong. Um, <laughs> oh, He's so- actually got an argument against all of that. <laughs> In this episode. Oh, so he gets really angry. Um, So the two doctors that originally started doing the Kennedy's autopsy were not um, forensic pathologists by trade. They were pathologists, but um, Reiner basically discredits them as basically being doctors even. He's just like, these guys They completely did. Their names are Dr. J. Thornton Boswell and Dr. James Humes. And I love this about Dr. Humes when he passed away because they kind of stayed out of the limelight. And his son, Humes Jr., said that my father didn't want to profit from the tragedy of American of an American president's death by sensationalism. And Rob Reiner just takes that man's life and is like, hey, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is 
this is what it, the big thing here with Hume that uh, he's all over, and Soledad's also all over this, is that Hume had autopsy notes that he had taken. He had made them during the autopsy. And then on the Sunday morning after the autopsy, Oswald is killed. And Hume realizes that these autopsy notes are not going to be needed for the trial because Oswald is dead. There will be no trial. That these autopsy notes are, they have the blood of John F. Kennedy on them. And he realized, he's just sort of like, well, we don't need the originals anymore. And these are, these are like, they have the gore of the president on them. This is kind of like, like distasteful or upsetting. So he burns the uh, blood-soaked autopsy notes and rewrites the autopsy notes afterwards. And this has been something. Can that you repeat appears- that? That's what yeah. Soledad does in the yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah, like uh, yeah, Reiner's like he burned the original autopsy notes, and Soledad's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, Can you wait. repeat that? That's the Can only you- point of her. That's the point of her in the show is to when Rob says something that you know is supposed to be part of the conspiracy, she kind of just makes a comment like, um, can you repeat that? Um, or, or, what was or, that? Yeah. Rob, that sounds ridiculous. I mean, it's made, her, <laughs> her, her job is to just be incredulous at the things that Rob is talking about so that Rob can restate them. And then she can just be like, I can't believe people are buying this shit. How did anyone think Oswald did it? Like, she is supposed to be the doe-eyed knave who got into this thing, kind of thinking that Oswald may have done it, and Rob is just pilling her. The whole it's breaking point, her, yeah. <laughs> she's just getting so aggressively pilled by Rob at all times, and <laughs> like I just, and Reiner's dripping disgust when he's like, "Oh, he tried to preserve the dignity of the murdered president by burning the notes that were soaked in blood." Yeah. Sure thing, asshole. And it's like, it's like, Rob, like, you, you can't, like, that is a good faith thing someone could absolutely say. And I would believe that, especially, I mean. He hates these doctors. I cannot stress how much he's, Rob Reiner is just discrediting the shit out of these doctors. He, he straight up says like, not qualified, not certified. And he uh, calls them fake. He could, he says we got a fake pathologist and a fake report at one point. Like he's just absolutely like these are not doctors, as if they didn't have like extremely, extremely highly qualified careers in the field of pathology. You know, like they they were part of like medical boards. Uh, they they were part of all you know, all kinds of uh medical shit and and rob's just like fuck you guys you don't fit you don't fit with my conspiracy about jfk so fuck you you're not real (laughs) yeah and and the thing is is that like the the those two doctors were the like they were at the head of bethesda naval hospital when they were brought in and they then had a ballistics wounds expert, Pierre Frick, Fink, come in and help them with it. So it's like they didn't they, – it, it wasn't like there was nobody in the room who was a forensic pathologist that came in. And yet 
now the autopsy was rushed. There were things that were not really well done, and a lot of that has been uh, from us Oswald folks. A lot of that has been laid at the feet of the Kennedy family because they didn't want JFK's head shaved. Because in their delusion, in their insanity, JFK is a Catholic. Jackie is a Catholic. They wanted an open casket funeral for him. And they didn't want his head shaved. They didn't want all the slicing and dicing that'd be done to like ruin his ruin how he looked. And it was only after the autopsy, only after they had the morticians do their level best to make him look presentable, that Jackie and Bobby looked at him in the coffin and went, "Nope, closed casket. We're not doing this. This is this is a this is a bridge too far." But so a lot of the things were and, and another thing was is that there was also again this is um blaming the kennedy family for all this um kennedy had atkinson's disease which had been covered up his whole life and there was a lot of concern that this would be reported in the autopsy that th- that he had covered up this disease because if they had accessed his adrenal glands they would have found them to be deficient when when kennedy was being treated his personal doctor went into the emergency room with steroids saying he will need steroids because his body can't produce natural adrenaline to keep him functioning from trauma. So if his wounds were not like obviously fatal, he would need steroids to combat even non-fatal wounds. And so there was a lot of stuff going on with Kennedy's health that was made his autopsy not great. And it was a poorly done autopsy by all accounts, but it it wasn't because these three guys botched it intentionally or were working on behalf of the deep state to screw it up because. No, Robin's a section like that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like <laughs> he wants you to know this is part of the conspiracy pretty hard. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um so man, my brain just like turned to pudding there for a moment, but <laughs> you just the autopsy is bad and but again, most of that is from forces outside the guys that were working on it. Uh oh, this was one of the great things. And so the, the this is the second straight episode that has a bizarre non sequitur in it. In episode 2, we had Reiner saying the thing like, oh, if this document had been released, Oswald's lawyers would have had a field day with it. And it was like, if Oswald was alive, this document wouldn't have been created because he would have been gone to trial. In this episode, when they're talking about the photos of Kennedy's head and the autopsy, I don't think it's Reiner. It's one of the 9,000 experts they bring in to do a clip. They bring in experts just to say one sentence about some other expert. It's really frustrating. It's just like, who are all these people? <laughs> they, they they name drop so many enemies, and then they name drop so many experts. It's just a hodgepodge of names. It's like <laughs> I was watching a video on like writing your first novel and all this kind of stuff, and they were just like, when you're doing the first chapter, 
don't use a lot of names for a lot of characters. This is this is your reader's first initiation into this world. If you overwhelm them with names and everything, they're going to check out. Their eyes are going to glaze. But we're here at episode three, and literally there's like 50 protagonists, 50 antagonists. We're, we're our, it, it's basically like season six of Game of Thrones, but it's episode George, three. Joanides makes another appearance in this episode, Mr. Exactly. One Paragraph Wikipedia, but he's yes. part of the conspiracy. George Joanides, the guy that like managed to keep the CIA's hands clean. Oh, it's just, it's so wild. All the bit players, he had so much airtime in this thing. But this this guy, this random expert, is just says the back of Kennedy's head looks like it was freshly washed, like they had just like cleaned it up, and that makes no sense because his shirt was soaked in blood, and. It's and that was such a weird thing to say because again, when Kennedy was at Parkland, the moment they said they said, "Wait, he's alive! We gotta try to save him!" Immediately, the nurses cut all of his clothing off of him. They cut his tie off. They cut his shirt off. They cut his jacket off. They cut his pants off. That they found out that he was wearing this massive back brace, and they were just like, "What the shit is that?" Cut it off, and they. Eventually, they got to his tidy whities and a nurse was getting ready to slice those off. And then the doctor was like, "Nah, we we don't need to see presidential peen. We can, we can, we can leave the tidy whities on. He's probably going to poop them in a minute, anyways. But for the moment, let's just uh, let's 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 not go for the let's not go for the presidential only fans. Someone's going to take a photo. It's going to be blown up and put on big poster boards on Dealey Plaza." Yes. Sold by old angry men. Yeah. You know, we don't need oh to see God. That. Oh God. Robert <laughs> Gr- Robert Groden only wishes he could have he could sell presidential <laughs> cock shots. Oh <laughs> yep, man. Yep, yep. He's just like, ah, oh, why didn't why didn't they take his tiny whiteies <laughs> off? Oh why? Why, Gamu? Oh man. We we got nurses doing sketches of the back wound and the presidential dong, just being like, yeah. Yeah, President President Kennedy was definitely. I hope he was a grower because not much there. Got to tell you, really, who boy, <laughs> <laughs> not a lot going on. <laughs> oh man, so yeah, the, the reason why the head may have looked clean was because maybe they did clean it, and the reason why the shirt was still blood soaked was because they ripped it off him while they were treating him for his injuries in Parkland, and then. They were like, you know what? We're not going to do to the blood-soaked shirt. Wash it, because now it's fucking evidence for a murder investigation. It was such a bizarre non-sequitur of a thing to say. I just, it's like, like, is there any quality control on this show? Answer, no. There absolutely isn't. Rob just goes on jags, and Solid Ed just nods in agreement. It's about the jazzy music and Rob ranting. (laughs) Yep. It's about Rob getting red in the face, and then, <laughs> Who killed JFK is brought to you by Spotify. Just, just <laughs> all of that. It's just, oh my god. So then, one of my other things that was awesome. Oh, um, uh, Reiner also declares that the Warren Commission and the House Select Committee on Assassinations came to two completely different conclusions. Which no, they didn't. They both said Oswald did it. The House Subcommittee on Assassinations just threw in, yeah, there was probably a conspiracy because we can't explain that fourth shot. But uh, we're out of here. Bye. 
and again, I've gone over how the House Select Committee on Assassinations, they were just hoodwinked by the Dictabout recording. If they didn't trust that thing, they would have said Oswald acted alone, same as the Warren Commission. Nothing would have changed. But uh, the Dictabout screwed up everything and lets liars like Rob Reiner lie about everything. Um, one of my favorite things in this episode was our boy Cyril Wecht got into the mix. And uh, Cyril was, oh man, what a blast from the past he was. When I was a <laughs> lunatic was- in the 90s, he got two introductions. Yes. He, he had two introductions for this, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cyril <laughs> Soledad so, was like, I got to introduce this guy again because he's amazing. Yes. <laughs> Basically, Cyril Wecht is the one crank who refused to accept the uh, the the autopsy photos and the autopsy information. All the other pathologists the House like, Committee on Assassinations talked to were like, yeah, that works out. Cyril he's the one yep. that backs up Rob's ranting. So he's like, this right. is the guy. This is the right. expert. Fuck all yeah, these I, other experts. No. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like the men who killed Kennedy, every, every show in the nineties that was about uh, the Kennedy assassination being a conspiracy. Cyril Wecht was there. He was there with bells on. That guy knew where his meal ticket was. And boy, howdy, was he going to tell you all about how Kennedy got shot in the front of the head? 100%. So, yeah, I just, uh, man, when he showed up, I was like, oh, my God, it's Cyril. We're, we're doing this. And Cyril Wecht and Rob Reiner proceed to just lie their asses off about the Zapruder film. Now, at one point, Cyril Wecht makes a statement about how the mechanical firing speed of the Maliger Carcano is 2.3 seconds, yet Kennedy and Conley react to shots within 1.5 seconds of each other. Therefore, no magic bullet. It's over. It's conspiracy proven. And Rob Reiner's like, fucking nailed it, Cyril. Fucking nailed it. And the thing about this is, is that there's no point on the Zapruder film where there's a shot that's fired within 2.3 seconds of another shot. Uh, From Kennedy reacting to the wound in his neck to Kennedy being shot in the head, it's four, it's four seconds. There's four seconds between those two shots. And the first shot, the first shot that was fired in the Kennedy assassination is something that literally no one agrees about and is one of the biggest arguments that exists in the world because there are people who believe that the Zapruder film did catch the first shot. And then there are people who think that Zapruder started filming after the first shot was fired that we're seeing reactions that ha- are happening so so early in the Zapruder film that people couldn't have reacted to them during the Zapruder film, and they're reacting to something that happened right before it. And I know there's like one witness who said that because the turn on the Elm Street's a 90 degree angle, so the limo has to like do this really wide turn to get straight down the road. And basically, like one witness said that as soon as the limo got straightened out and started going, that's when they heard the first shot. And that's like basically before the Zapruder film starts filming, probably like two or three seconds before the Zapruder film turns on. So you, you'll often hear uh, like one of the books, one of the first conspiracy books about the Kennedy assassination was called Six Seconds in Dallas. And it tries to claim that all three shots were fired in a six second window. And that's not even remotely accurate. It's probably close. If you think the first shot was actually captured by the Zapruder film, it's probably closer to eight or nine seconds. And if you don't think it was caught, 
It's probably like 12 seconds, which again, doesn't feel like a lot, but it really is when you're breaking these things down frame by frame and detail by detail. So what Cyril Wecht is talking about and what Rob Reiner is trying to argue is that Kennedy and Connolly are reacting to the magic bullet 1.5 seconds apart from each other, and that this proves they were hit by separate bullets, which debunks the single bullet theory and proves conspiracy. And what Reiner and all these conspiracy theorists say in this situation is what John Connolly says. And John Connolly's testimony has always been, I heard the first shot, and I started turning this way to like he started, I started turning like rightward to try to see the president, to try to get line of sight on him, to see if he'd been hit. And I couldn't see him, so I started turning the other way to try to see him. And when I was turning the other way, I got hit. And what Connolly is basically saying in his testimony is I thought the president was shot with the first shot. I know I wasn't shot by the first shot because I was doing the twist in my, in the car, trying to look at Kennedy to see if he'd been struck. And while I was moving around, then I got hit. And in reality, we know that Kennedy wasn't hit by the first shot because he's just sitting there smiling and waving, just having a good time. And Connolly the whole time is just like, no, 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 they're shooting. No. And it's just like, damn it, damn it, damn it, John Connolly, if only you'd yelled. You could have saved the world if only you'd start, Mr. President, gun, get down. Oh, it's like, why are he, it, 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 like, it's almost like in his mind, he just assumed that Kennedy had been shot already. And he's like, ah, oh, they already killed him. Let me see how gory it is. Oh, oh, no, I've been shot. And it's just kind of like, it's like, damn it. <laughs> Mean, meanwhile, like I, I, I just, it's just such a bizarre thing to imagine that in those like few seconds, John Connolly is just in pant shitting terror, trying to get eyes on the president, and the president's just sitting like three feet behind him, going, "Man, check out the rack on that chick! Holy smokes, Dallas has got a lot of hotties, doesn't it?" Oh, I've been shot in the throat. <laughs> it's just like it's just so funny. That... Is that his final thoughts as a JFK oh, expert? Do you is that oh, is that his final thoughts before his brain. Oh, went, boom. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to like, I, I would want to create a conspiracy theory around this idea that um, there was this, uh, that Kennedy, because this is something, because we're, we're going to have to do so much work to make episodes four and five, not be terrible on our end. <laughs> but like, basically, because uh, it's just all about Oswald's backstory and it's so dull. But like one of the things that is like just an open secret about Kennedy's presidency was that one of the things the Secret Service really didn't care for was the fact that he just had women running into his like bedroom constantly when he was on the road. He was just getting ro- he was just getting road beef. He was just like like just grabbing hotties and like waving them in. He's just like, hey, I'm the president. I'm the president. I, I I screw everything that's in my field of vision. This is just how this works. And it's just kind of like, you know, if I was the CIA and I wanted to kill President Kennedy and I knew that he was really physically unfit because the guy, because Kennedy had crippling back issues. He had Addison's disease. The guy was like sickly. I mean, um, 
during like his first couple of years in the presidency, he was on all kinds of drugs. He literally had a doctor in the White House that was known by to everyone else as Doctor Feelgood, who was giving him all kinds of shit to just keep him like just like on the mend. And basically, a lot of his other doctors were like, you know, maybe the president shouldn't be on a constant like diet of methamphetamines and speed and all kinds of other crap. And they fucking. actually got doc- Yeah. And, and just fucking <laughs> everything in his field of vision. <laughs> so it's like, they actually got Dr. Feelgood away from him towards like the last year of his presidency. And they were like, man, this is actually pretty good for the president that he's not just on every medication on God's green earth. Um, But it's like, if you're the CIA and you're just like, man, we, we, the, we, we need our war in Vietnam. We need our hardline stance against the Soviet Union. This piece, Nick Kennedy's no good for us. Who do you have kill the president? Lee Harvey Oswald, who has the unbelievably weird backstory of defecting to Russia, then coming back, then doing all the other weird shit he did and all this stuff. And you kill him in broad daylight where there's a million witnesses and all kinds of evidence. And the Parkland doctors are talking about gunshot wounds from the front and blowing your cover. Or... Do you just have a femme fatale murder him after they screw in a hotel? Some broad, some dame, (laughs) some dame, some some two bit floozy (laughs) with 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 like a a a garrote and just like just you just like can because poison ivy, poison lips. Come here, Mister President. You know, (laughs) yes, yes. I mean, like because on the one hand, you kill the president in broad daylight in a mass murder and you bring all this scrutiny and intention on yourself that could potentially like expose the CIA, bring down your house of cards, tear down your like global war machine. On the other hand, you have your femme fatale just choke out Kennedy after, after they have, they have a little loving and with her thighs and just say it was an accident. No, 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 no. that don't matter i mean the the thing is is that like now the kennedy family has to cover up what really happened because he was just he was just banging some broad that wasn't jackie and and now like he's he's brought shame upon the family and all this stuff and i mean i just think that the cia was literally working on exploding cigars to kill castro or uh drugs that would make his beard fall out and shame castro like they were they were literally in the in the throes of their mk ultra men who stare at goats like poppycock nonsense so the idea of some mystery uh assassin lady taking care of kennedy in suite uh in suite uh 311 in, in suite 317 at the Hilton uh in Dallas is like not exactly uh beyond like the thought but what I was what I was thinking before was like so Kennedy is like they hit the daily they hit the corner on Elm Street and Kennedy just sees a smoking hot chick and he like waves to the secret service to give her a room key and then he gets murdered and that chick goes to the room key and she's just in President Kennedy's room alone and sad. That, and then that that's night, really and then, romantic, Mike. You yeah, no, and, and, no, let me finish. 
And then that night she died. She dies of a broken heart, and she haunts that hotel to this day. So, <laughs> if you want to come up with the spirit of President Kennedy's jilted lover, who was denied her presidential tryst by the assassin, uh, go for it. Like, m- make that conspiracy theory up. I will wholeheartedly endorse and condone your shameless lies about the uh, conspiracy theory. We'll have to come up with a name for our uh, unrequited love of the President Kennedy. That poor woman who had her moment taken away from her by the assassins. She's also named Jackie. It's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, my thing for Jackie's. Oh yeah. I, my, my crazy uh, graphic novel of the Kennedy assassination is that Jackie Kennedy is like an Amazon warrior princess woman who was Kennedy's like line of defense to save him. And, <laughs> Basically, the actual Daily Plaza, she shoots Oswald out of the window. She shoots the guy on the grassy knoll. But then the storm drain guy kills Kennedy. And she knows it's she knows it's a conspiracy. And when they get to Parkland Hospital, like the driver of the car is like, Jackie, I'm so and she just breaks his neck and kills him. And she's just like, yeah, I claim the assassins shot him also. And then she goes to Lyndon Johnson and Lyndon's like, well, I got your kids hostage, Jackie. You can't do anything to me and we're going to have our wars and all that kind of stuff. And then the series ends with her getting Robert Kennedy elected president. And when she's in the Oval Office with him, uh, Mar- uh, Marilyn Monroe like bursts out of the shadows as an assassin. And Jackie and Marilyn have a big final thrilling battle. Uh, with she- A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. She's going to kill Robert on top of uh, JFK. Marilyn Monroe was actually the shooter from the storm trade in my story. Wow, interesting. Uh, oh, it's I, 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 I'm I'm such a clever boy. I'm the mm-hmm. I'm truly the smartest of boys. I have a crinkly brain. I'm very smart. Um, so we're almost at an hour here. So we're now going to do our Rob Reiner endorsed ad break because I want some Dutch kroners. <laughs> Boom! Ad break over. Congratulations for listening to that thing that gave me about I don't know one dollar and seventy five cents in Dutch kroners. I very much appreciate you. Very nice. Very nice. So now what actually happened here with the magic bullet is Connolly does react potentially a little bit after Kennedy, but this could be just because he got shot in the chest and it's possible he didn't react to his lung being damaged until he started breathing again. Like basically like once he tried to inhale and realized, Oh wait, my lung doesn't work anymore. Like, people don't 
react instantaneously to gunshots. It's just like you react to them when you finally feel the pain setting in. And there's also, uh, in the Zapruder film, you can see uh, Connolly's lapel flip at basically the same time as Kennedy starts bringing his hands towards his throat. So it's very possible that the bullet hit both of them at the same time, and the reaction times are just slightly different. The other thing that Rob Reiner is counting on people looking at in the Zapruder film is he's like, because Connolly is turning towards the camera and looking at us, but by the time he's doing that, he's not trying to look at Kennedy. He's just reacting to being shot. Like one of his shoulders is much lower than the other shoulder. His like face is very much obviously contorted in pain. And basically what happens is he just sort of like lists to face the camera and then he just falls backwards into his wife's lap. And right after that happens, then Kennedy gets shot in the head. And so what you're seeing in the Zapruder film is not Connolly reacting to a shot having not been hit. It is his reactions to being shot. Like, his reactions to pre-gunshot are much different. And if you watch the Zapruder film, you can see that. So it's very disingenuous what Cyril Wecht and Rob Reiner are claiming. And again, they're just sort of like, case closed. We did it. We proved it. Nailed Soledad it. comes in at this point as a journalist. <laughs> and she <laughs> says, um, with the single bullet theory, she's like, so there's two camps. And that's all she says. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> it's, the- it's a little, it's, it's good journalism. <laughs> there's no like, try to correct. She's just like, there's, there's two theories of thought here. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and you're only going to hear one of them. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, actually true. Yeah. Yeah. There's two, there's two theories and here's one. So, yeah. Now, the other thing that Rob repeatedly says in this episode is that the, the single bullet hit Kennedy in the lower back and then went upwards and out through his throat. He loves repeating that statement that the bullet hit Kennedy lower in the back and went upwards and then exited his throat and then did the 90 degree turn, hit Connolly here, zip, zip, dap. And his evidence for this lower wound in Kennedy's back is from Kennedy's jacket. But the thing is, is that almost all the photos of Kennedy's jacket show that it's very bunched up in the limo as he's riding. And that the it's very obvious that if the jacket was bunched up, the wound in the jacket is going to be lower than where it actually hit the president. And the autopsy photos and the x-rays all indicate that the bullet hit around the, thir- the first thoracic vertebra in the neck and came out the throat and that actually like lines up. Uh, I saw one uh, special, um, it was kind of like an Oswald Dunn did it special. And they found a guy that was like six foot tall and 160 pounds, which was Kennedy's height and weight. And they put him in an MRI machine and they basically put the wounds where they were and they had him get scanned. And they're like, yeah, that tracks that that goes through. That's pretty clean. So, what Reiner is claiming in this uh, episode, or at least what it appears that he's building towards, which is what I can't wait for to actually hear him say, is what I call the magic bullets. Because 
the theory that he is probably going to produce that conspiracy theorists like to talk about is two bullets doing things that are impossible and makes the magic bullet look reasonable and sound by comparison. Because um, this episode ends with uh, Reiner bringing up the story that was just released by a Secret Service agent 60 years after the fact, where that Secret Service agent was like, yeah, when Jackie got out of the limo, there was a bullet just laying there and I picked it up. Paul Landis. Yeah, Paul Landis. Who yeah. just they interview him and it's like he's really, really old. And Rob is like yelling the questions at him. He's like, <laughs> Now Paul! Now Paul! <laughs> tell us what tell us what you heard. Tell us what you saw that day. He's like screaming at this old man. And yeah. um the then you have to like listen to this guy like he sounds really old. <laughs> he sounds yeah. really old. Yeah. And, and and the thing is, now the thing is, is that it's so strange that this guy came out with this 60 years after the fact. Like, like when JFK came out in the 90s, he could have talked about this. Like this, it's a very weird story that he's bringing up now after all this time. Like, he's like, well, 60 years after the fact, time to, time to tell the truth. And it's just like, okay, Paul, I guess. But Reiner is so angry after Paul finishes his story because he's just like, and the bullet was found where Jackie was sitting and there's no way that bullet could have gotten there if it was in Connolly's body and therefore we have a conspiracy. Boom, single bullet disproven. Like, I'm vindicated. I win. Give me, yo, uh, give me some love, Soledad. Boom, bro fist. Yeah, let's do this. And And the thing about this is that if what this guy is saying is true, what Rob Reiner is trying to claim is that uh, at some point in the Zapruder film where that we cannot see, the president is shot in the back by a non-penetrating bullet, which is really weird because rifle bullets penetrate. They go through human bodies. They are they don't hit a person and then stop. Because if they did, guns would be very ineffective weapons that we wouldn't use to fight wars and kill people with. So what he's alleging is that Oswald or somebody shot the president in the back with a rifle bullet. That bullet hit the president in the back and then just stopped. It didn't go through him. It didn't leave an exit wound. It just hit him in the back, and then the bullet was just like, you know what? I'm just good here. I'm just going to just park here and call it a day. And on top of that, what Rob Reiner is also claiming is that when President Kennedy was shot in the throat from the front, that that bullet didn't penetrate him either. That President Kennedy was hit with two different bullets that did not leave exit wounds. They just entered him and then stopped. President Kennedy's body was just made of, like, I don't know, like, tungsten carbide or like your depleted uranium and he had the it, chain from the renaissance festival that you can yes. get <laughs> yeah he was just wearing chain mail like <laughs> on top of on top of his back brace he just had plate mail under his bodysuit and his only weak spot was his head and gosh darn it they got him in the head i mean 
it damn makes, it they should they should have thought of that one if only, if only they arm if only they had up armored his head the way they up armored his body he would have survived this like so this is what and again i i mean rob's really killing time with episodes four and five here and it feels like he's killing a lot of time with episode six here we haven't got to Rob's actual breakdown of the Zapruder film and what he thinks happened, but it sounds like what he's trying to tell us is that this ridiculous double non-penetrating wound thing happened to the president. And this means that John Connolly was hit by a separate bullet as well. And we have James Tague, the innocent bystander who was hit with a bullet also. And I don't know if Rob is going to attribute all of Governor Conley's wounds to one bullet or if he's going to add two bullets there. So already in Rob's conspiracy theory, we have three bullets hitting President Kennedy, one bullet missing, and one bullet, at minimum, one bullet hitting Governor Conley. That's five shots. We're already up to five. And I want to make this clear that almost all the ear witnesses in Dealey Plaza the vast majority heard three. It was like 70% or so heard three. And then the next 20% or so heard four. And only, and then only when you get under 10%, do you get the people that heard either more than four or less than three. So Rob is already in outlier territory from what the eyewitnesses said when he's at five bullets, but I feel like he's going to up this to at least six. So we're ar- we're already getting deeper and deeper into crank town with Reiner's theory vis-a-vis the actual evidence of what the actual witnesses saw when it happened. My favorite bit of crank town is how they end it with the photos. I literally had to go back and listen to it because I was like, are these people saying what I think they're saying? <laughs> Yeah, so basically, yeah. Uh, so then he brings uh, a woman in who says that the autopsy photos she developed don't look like the autopsy photos that are publicly displayed. Sandra and, K. Spencer. Yeah, Sandra K. Spencer, who um, she was a petty officer who worked during the autopsy. There are plenty of other people who say that the autopsy photos are what they were, including, again, all three pathologists who did the autopsy. This is one of those weird he said, she said things where, of course, Rob and the conspiracy theorists are going to defer to the person who confirms their priors. So, but, and, and, and that is a, um, this conspiracy theory it's massive because if you've got multiple assassins firing from multiple locations, and then you've got people at the autopsy stealing and editing the autopsy photos and putting in these quacks who don't know how to do an autopsy. Like they're this, claiming the photos are not the photos that actually happened listeners. This right, is insane right, territory. <laughs> right. Like they're, they're literally telling us that the photos that were actually taken of the actual autopsy show the back of his head, totally blown out that the photos that the public has seen are fake. are not real. They're fake, They're fake. photos. And, this is crazy. This is so and, funny. And, 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 and Rob, even at one point, says, uh, he, Rob basically turns into Alex Jones at one point and says, there's plenty of people who've signed affidavits saying they've seen the real photographs. And it's like, Rob, name them. Name those people. Like, Tell us who they are and, what, and, and when they did this. Because you're 
like you just you literally name every other person in this goddamn story. I've had to learn the name George Joannidis. <laughs> now you're telling me that there's a bunch of people who saw the quote unquote real autopsy photos and you're not naming them. You're like, ah, oh, it's just in, it's in the it's in the globalists white papers. We we have their testimony. And it's just like, oh, my God, what what are we doing here? This this is nuts. And at one point, uh, like the way that like Soledad kind of ends it is uh, like she says that it's a narrative. And Rob's like, I'm glad that you said that Soledad narrative, because that's what it is. Narrative. And he's then he goes on this like long, very long kind of uh, like Mike just said, just like the long thread of conspiracy. He's like, first, uh, it was a bunk commission with the Warren Commission. And then uh, the the George Joannides, he fucking compromised the Select Committee of Assassinations. And then uh, we got uh, we got bullshit fake pathologists. And then, uh, uh, you know, we got just like he's this whole long line thing. And then he's like, and then the photographs are fake. Like, this is like a very... This is a very this is a very QAnon conspiracy. I feel like this is it's like it's not enough to just there's just there's not one conspiracy here. It's like a ton of conspiracies to back up Rob's delusions. Um and he just has to keep building on it because he's he's telling a story here. Um It kind of made me think actually because kind of cute or, or kind of um pizzagate's kind of back in the conversation again and i was like man in like 60 years like there's the, the there's gonna be some rob reiner podcast about how pizzagate's real you know right right it, it, it's just this <laughs> it, it's just this thing where you have your frame of reference and you're just not going to let it go. And because you have an ax to grind and you're a famous person, you get to make a podcast with another famous person and just say a ton of shit. And there's just really no, uh, like there's really no justification for all of it. Uh, at one point when, uh, Dr. Perry is brought up again and Perry's was like, oh yeah, it could have been an exit wound. Rob is just like incredibly angry and he's like, why would he change his mind? And it's like, well, probably because he found out about the wound in the back of the president. That that probably was a reason why. Because he was presented with evidence that allowed an alternative hypothesis to be evaluated. That's why Perry changed his mind. He's like, no, he changed his mind because the deep state got to him. And yeah, they it, it, if they didn't do what they were told, they would cut get their heads cut off. That's a line in the podcast. Yeah, I thought. yeah he, basically, <laughs> he basically yeah he basically claims that a secret service agent harassed Doctor Perry, and from my knowledge of the situation, it's more like Perry just started talking to the Bethesda doctors, and what I think probably happened was that secret service agent was just a little too punchy. And that secret service agent was like, yeah, man, you heard from the Bethesda doctor. So, so the, it was a wound in the back, right? Right. And Perry's like, buddy, stop calling me. And that, and that secret <laughs> service is like, man, man, but, but they told you about the entrance wound in the back. So now, you know, and this brings me to my favorite part about all of this. And this is going to be where I hit my dismount. And if Haley has more to say about this, because this was an episode that she chewed into the marrow on. So <laughs> I'll definitely give her the last word on that. But, this is the thing is that 
Dr. Perry got in front of the press and contradicted the single bullet. The, he contradicted that Oswald acted alone. Dr. Perry got in front of the press and said the president was shot from the front. And only by uh, the evidence of the rear wound in the president's back was the single bullet theory be able to be created. And could people argue in good faith that Oswald had done this? Rob Reiner is screaming and yelling about how the president was shot from the front and the back of his head was blown out. Where is the entrance wound in the president's face or forehead or wherever? Because the only way you can blow out the back of somebody's head is if you shoot them in the front. And this is the thing. Perry already stated he saw a throat wound from the front. Wouldn't Perry have also told the press, oh, yeah, he got one right in the forehead, right between the eyes, and it blew the back of his head out? Or, yeah, he was hit in the right temple by a bullet. Or, like, like if Perry had saw a front a frontal wound to the face of, or head of the president that caused the rear blowout, he would have brought that up. When Perry talked about the head wound, he was just sort of like, yeah, it was a mess. His head was destroyed. What can I say? He didn't give specifics. But an entrance wound to the face would have been very obvious. It would have been as obvious as a wound to the throat. Perry would. So it's like this whole conspiracy, this whole house of cards just falls apart if the grassy knoll assassin who blew out the back of Kennedy's head hit Kennedy in the front in a way that was obvious and observable by the doctors that treated him, which. I don't know, 99% of all gunshots from the front would have been observable and obvious. And they would have been like, yeah, president was shot from the, from the front bullet hit him right above the left eye. Yep. I mean, like if you're, and, and this brings me to the thing that I always think about with this stuff is why would the conspiracy have been this elaborate and so easy to disprove and debunk? Kennedy's moving at 11 miles an hour. He is a sitting duck. You put one assassin in one location with a quality gun and you have that guy line him up and kill him. You don't fire six shots from 20 different directions from three different sniper teams such that Malcolm Perry or any doctor in Dallas could get in front of the press and blow your spot. Just ruin your shit. I mean, that's what makes this so ridiculous is that they had no control over so much. Like, Reiner and Soledad are talking about Dr. Perry being threatened. You know when you threaten him? Before he talks to the press. When Malcolm Perry walks out of the operating room, tears in his eyes, and he's getting ready to walk down the hallway to talk to the assembled press, that's when the Secret Service agent grabs him and pushes him against the wall and says, if you say fucking anything about a gunshot from the front, you'll never see your kids again. And then Perry turns white as a ghost. And then when he sees the press, he's like, all the president's wounds were fired from the rear. And no, I was not just threatened by somebody. I sincerely mean that. All the shots were from the back. And now I'm going to go hug my kids that I'm allowed to see because I said those words. Thank you all. America is a free country, not run by a murderous cabal that just killed your president. Goodbye. I just... The conspiracy theorists love bringing up Malcolm Perry's press conference in at Parkland Hospital as proof of the conspiracy. It's proof there wasn't a conspiracy because they never would have let him fucking talk if he could have blown them up.
<laughs> you you don't let some doctor talk about the wounds the president suffered if those wounds might not comport with your conspiracy you're trying to craft. That's madness. So yeah, I just it's just the upside down to me. I just think that that's the funniest thing in the world. And the fact that Rob Reiner literally made an episode about it and got super angry the whole time is just chef's kiss. It's the best. He was actually angry. He was he was mad. And Soledad was like getting mad with him, which I thought was funny that they were just kind of <laughs> infuriated. She was she was <laughs> she was energy matching him. Mhm. She's like, "Um, can you repeat that?" <laughs> he burned the autopsy <laughs> he burned them that piece of shit <laughs> fuck you dr hume fuck you for what you did to america rob rob we we have to buy a new podcast i'm like you throw the one into the wall smash that's the third podcast mike <laughs> rob's destroyed this week he gets very into it when he starts talking about the kennedy assassination yep 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 yeah. um i think my general thoughts on this, besides it being incredibly goofy, just like it gets goofy at the end. They're just like, it, it just gets so goofy at the end with the, the photos are fake. The photos that we know of JFK's head being blown out are we, that's all fake. It's a lie. Um, and it's like, I think that's kind of why the podcast feels a bit weak on content and just just weak in general is because rob is just finding people and so-called evidence that fits the narrative that he has preset from the beginning he's not trying to prove any facts he's trying to convince the listener to think like him <laughs> And believe what he believes. So it's like with the Cyril Weck guy being on the uh, being on the uh, heavy feature of this uh, episode. It kind of uh, it's kind of I think it's a good example. It's like he was one of nine of the forensic pathologists that was like disagreed uh, with the the evidence of the House Select Committee on Assassinations. He was the lone dissenter. Um, and it's like, Rob just keeps finding like, oh, this one guy backs up my theory. Perfect. I'm going to use this guy's evidence, you know? Um, and it's a lot of that. It's just like this one guy backs up my evidence, even though he's absolutely batshit. This other guy backs up my evidence. Um, even though he's the only one saying it. Um, so yeah, it just kind of feels really poorly done and like stitched together um but rob thinks he's doing something so that's fun yeah this is what haley just said is very accurate in the sense that this is the this is cranktown if you're going to serial wecked you know what you're doing if you lie about what the house committee on assassinations did you know what you're doing Rob is presenting a narrative. He's not actually he's not actually providing evidence and he's absolutely not showing you the whole story. Like this is I believe it was episode 1, but at the start of this whole thing, Rob declared, "I just want to lay out all the facts and when I do, I think the case for conspiracy will be made clear." And 
Rob is absolutely not laying out all the facts. In on no planet is Rob laying out all the facts. Um we're going to find out, but I am really really confident that Rob is never going to bring up General Walker because uh that was the guy that Lee Harvey Oswald shot at before he shot President Kennedy. Uh, so basically, he uh, got back to America. He bought his Miller Carcano rifle, and he uh, tried to shoot this right-wing John Birch Society-loving general nutjob named Edwin Walker. But Oswald uh, did not hit him because the bullet that was fired uh, hit the window frame that Oswald was shooting through, and that deflected the bullet, and then Oswald ran away. And uh, the House Select Committee um, used the bullet fragments from that uh, from the bullet that was fired at Walker, and compared it to the the bullets that were fired in the Kennedy assassination. And they stated that the evidence strongly suggested that Oswald carried out the shooting. So um, this is uh, something that's I don't think is ever going to be brought up because that would make Oswald look bad. So. Um, you're just going to continue to get this very one-sided view of what um, what happened in the Kennedy assassination vis-a-vis the conspiracy mindset. So, yeah, Rob's, Rob's not an honest broker. He's not a straight shooter. He's a crank, and he's published, and he's, he's produced a crank podcast to uh, preach his crank bullshit, and Soledad O'Brien has decided to stain her reputation by being part of Team Crankery. So it is uh, a bit bad. Not, she kind of keeps yeah. mentioning like um as a journalist and it's like calm down. Maybe <laughs> don't hype that too much on this one. <laughs> there is, I I forget if it's episode or episode 5, but uh Soledad actually brings up Occam's razor and tries to like reason with Rob and Rob literally is just like, if you think that, you've fallen into your their trap. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, my God. Like, it, it took that many episodes for the first moment of actual honest Soledad pushback. And Rob just swatted it away. Rob was just like the Kembe Motumbo, just wham, <laughs> just spiking that basketball into the crowd. Just like, nope, no, 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 no shot, Soledad. No shot. So, uh Yeah. So this was episode three. I think it it and it at least it had meat on the bone. At least Rob was angry. At least he was preaching a narrative. At least there was stuff I could talk about. I could talk about the Zapruder film. I could talk about the Parkland doctors. There's there's things here. Episodes four and five are just like Oswald's in Japan and it's weird, and then he goes to Russia and that's also kind of crazy. Something's up with all that. Let me tell you, Bob. And it's like. Okay, great. Where does this? When do we get back to the president being killed? Why are we just talking about Oswald's boring life before the murder? And it's just, uh, man. So yeah. So I hope you enjoyed this one. We're gonna do some punch up. Try to make the next couple ones better. We might smash four and five together into one episode because they kind of suck. And uh, episode six, who knows? Because again, as I mentioned at the start of this pod. A grand total of 25 minutes of actual content, which is actually 23 minutes because Soledad's got to do the credits for two minutes. So Rob's Rob's giving up. 
but we're not going to give up. We're going to keep rolling. So uh, thank you for listening to uh, Who Killed JFK? A, uh, answer Lee Harvey Oswald. Thank I you, listeners. Yes, I am Mike Rains, signing off for Haley, a.k.a. Arizona Right Watch. Good speed, patriots. Is that what we do for this one? We do it for the other one. Yeah, whatever. We're leaving. Bye. <laughs> Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.